0: Welcome to Ask an Orthodontist, the podcast where industry leader and full-face orthodontics founder Dr. Derek Mahoney and his guests share their knowledge and insight on the ins and outs of orthodontic treatment for you and your kids.
1: It gives me great pleasure to introduce Dr. Helen Jones, who's a specialist orthodontist in the UK, a good friend and colleague of mine, and someone that is really seen the changes in orthodontics over her career. Um, She's now retired, but um, for many years in practice, and even now, she has a particular interest in early integrated treatment, and many of the articles that she posts are really worth reading, and I'd like everyone to look at her website, which is called uh, connectingheads.com, and I'll post that as part of our transcript. Um, Helen's um, lectured internationally. I first met her when she was lecturing at the WITZIG uh, symposium um, in Minneapolis. And that was, I think I was 25 years ago, Helen. Um, and, uh, and, and certainly, and Helen and I have shared uh, a very similar philosophy and that is, you know, you're, you're not just treating the teeth, you're treating the body associated with the teeth. And I think years and years of research have shown that there's such a connection between um uh, malocclusion between breathing between all the stuff that dentists look at and other systemic illnesses um so helen in that regard has lectured internationally to a number of colleges of um, osteopathy uh in the uk and she's uh lectured annually to the osteopathic children's center in london so helen thanks very much for giving up your time uh to do this and um you know you've got such a a broad uh um uh, understanding not just of the research component of uh, of dentistry, but also the uh, practical component. You had a very successful practice with your husband, um, Mike, um, and, and really what I want to discuss with you is the way you um, integrated uh, treatment so that you had much closer alliance with uh, medics. As, as you know, most dentists Uh, probably want to do medicine and they miss out by a few marks. And then in most universities, the dentists are put in one room and the medics are put in another room. And it's very rare we get collaboration. Um, In Australia, we certainly see... Um, the big collaboration between the ear, nose and throat doctors and the dentists because, you know, the ear, nose and throat doctors are looking at the um, um, upper part of the airway and nasal problems and we're looking at the lower part of the airway base of tongue obstruction, narrow palate, uh, et cetera. Can you um, uh, maybe ask this, uh, answer this question for me, Helen? Do, do you think there's a greater sort of public awareness now of the benefits of, of early intervention, particularly in the field of orthodontics?
0: Yes, I do. But the problem is that most specialist orthodontists focus on fitting fixed braces in the teenage years. This is how the training program is set out. Fixed braces have become generally accepted as the gold standard. And furthermore, parents and teachers now regard this treatment as almost a rite of passage, an event marking an important stage in life. Um, I was actually in Sydney once and a child came to the sailing club and um, they said, oh, you've just put your, got your braces on. Well, you're a real teenager now.
1: Nice.
0: You know, as if it, it's something that's expected and it's almost like um, going, being, being put out of court. You know, it's your next yeah. stage in your life. It's expected. Yeah. However, parents often become aware of a problem when their kids are quite young. But are then advised to wait until more permanent teeth are present. Most of facial growth takes place, as you know, by the age of 10. So, waiting for the teenagers misses out on the opportunity for development, facial development, that is. In many ways, young children make better patients than teenagers. Teenagers have work and hormones and other distractions. And so, it's often easier. Um, to fit around the school and the younger children and also young children still want to want to please their parents um and you find that there's maybe more rebellion in the teenage years after fitting fixed braces and it takes quite a while to do that the first comment by my most of my patients is so when are they going to come off so they like the idea of having the fixed braces. They like the idea yeah. that maybe they can choose the colours for the elastics. But the truth is, once they're on, they think, "Well, maybe this isn't such a good idea." And then you have I all think.
1: The I mean, you of- know, you and I are big advocates of orthotropics and the work of John Mew, and I. I just feel that unless the skeletal problems are addressed early and fixed during growth, you know, lining up teeth. Um, to camouflage the real skeletal problem is, is, is really not a good solution. And we all know in orthodontics, um, the high relapse rate. you know, you, people pay a, a fortune for fixed braces and then they're very disappointed years later when, they, when their teeth move. Um, so I, I, I hear what you're saying. Can you tell me um, what do you think is the greatest benefit of early intervention?
0: Well, I'd just like to go back a little bit on that, because I have just one more thing to say. Of course, fixed braces can be excellent at straightening the teeth, but do not address just what you've said, the cause of the malocclusion. That's not any skeletal and muscular imbalance, which may be related to the problem. Then there is the extraction debate. Some practitioners will remove healthy teeth when others would not find it necessary. Uh, In some individuals, extraction orthodontics can have devastating consequences further down the line. But fortunately, an increasing number of practitioners are now taking a non-extraction approach with its many health and aesthetic benefits. So I think the greatest benefit of early intervention is optimal breathing. So many children these days are mouth breathers and this in turn can be associated with poor sleep. Assessing the airway and breathing patterns should be an essential part of a health check from day one by the dentist and by any medical practitioners or health workers. Poor oxygenation has now been associated with conditions such as poor behavior, asthma, ADHD, sleep disorders, to name but a few. So picking up this early airway, And we can go on to discuss why um, mouth breathing is is so poor uh, for the development of the face, basically, because the tongue is not in the right position to do its fundamental role of of developing the the upper jaw. Uh, So often you read about and people talk about expansion, but it's really the forward position which is so important, the sagittal dimension.
1: Yeah, and
0: and And I think um,
1: the excellent (laughs) book uh, um, Breathe by James Nestor has really brought to the forefront the negative consequences of uh, mouth breathing, but I think one of the things that is not really expounded in that book is it's not just about lateral development of the upper jaw, it's also where is that upper jaw sitting in regard to the face? I think so many of the children that I see who have been misdiagnosed at the appropriate age where they should have had treatment, develop a rather long face, you know, that maxilla, rather than grow forward, grows downward. So they end up with, uh, as John Mew puts, um, uh, this uh, uh, backward rotation of their jaw. And it's very hard to fix, obviously, uh, once they're uh, adults uh, or young teens, because the damage is already done. Um, I mean, you and I came from traditional orthotic training, we both trained in the UK. And, um, you know, I thought I was doing wonderful things for my patients by correcting their uh, class two jaws by popping out two teeth here and, and pulling the front ones back, you know, and I ended up with what we used to know as uh, ideal results when you compared plaster on the table. You put your study models down before and after and it looked amazing. But we now realise that those teeth belong somewhere in the face and and definitely um, uh, they have an impact on what the, what the airway can do. Um, do. Do you think things have changed in the UK? Um, do, do you think there's more practitioners uh, taking this uh, early approach to treatment? Well,
0: orthodontics doesn't feature much in the current undergraduate teaching program. Well, certainly not in the UK, and far less than when I, I um, was, was training. Um, we at least spent uh, about six months, two lots of three months, I think, in the orthodontic department. I don't think that even happens these days. And the, um, there are some general dental practitioners who have gained knowledge, in the field of early treatment, participating in cases, in courses such as yours. But at the present time, they're not well supported by the establishment. Uh, because fixed braces look complicated, general dentists tend to uh, back off and say, oh, I, I don't understand that. I, don't. I leave that to the specialists. And I've spoken to some very top teaching dentists, highly qualified crown and bridge perio uh, teaching training, And I say about your practice, what do you do about your your patients? Oh, I don't know anything about orthodontics. I just refer them to the specialist down the road. And then the specialist is straight back into this. Oh, well, we'll wait, you've got more permanent teeth. You know, you can only put fixed braces when you've got your second teeth. And so that child has to cope. We'll go over that a bit in a minute about the consequences of leaving that child with a malocclusion for many years. Of course, as undergraduates, we did study anatomy, physiology, and facial development. We spent time learning about muscles of the face and the tongue, but after graduation, our work became much more technical and mechanical. To understand the advantages of early treatment, one has to swap lanes, as it were, and move to a biological approach. It's said that unlearning old knowledge is more difficult than acquiring new so perhaps this explains why on the whole, it's the general dentists who attend your courses and uh, are keen to be able to learn about early treatment, as opposed to orthodontists who are more entrenched in their ways. This is not to say that orthodontists don't have a role. They provide excellent treatment when straightening teeth is the only consideration. But as you said, there are other considerations and nobody really has researched the cause.
1: Well, On that I think, point, I think um, John Mew has probably come the closest to the true ideology of malocclusion. And it's, it's, it's his his uh, tropic premise is all about posture. And I mean, we, we've we seen that when you look at children who have Down syndrome, or you look at people who have um, muscular dystrophy, you, you see their jaw grows totally uh, differently. You look at the work of uh, 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 Solo and Talgren, um, you look at the work of Linda Aronson, and you, you see absolutely, you know, and to this day, I try to say to parents, look, teach your kids to breathe through their nose with their lips together, with their tongue on the palate. And the earlier you can achieve that, the, the better forward growth you're going to get. And, and John uh, has been, certainly in the UK, uh, one of those prophets in the wilderness that no one listens to. But uh, I think uh, maybe you'd agree or disagree with this, Helen, but, you know, you and I have travelled all around the world. I, I, I don't think I've seen better-looking faces uh, uh, produced by the orthodontic work uh, other than john muse uh, so there's a lot to be said about the position and the size of the upper jaw before you start moving the teeth what, what are your thoughts on that
0: well i think that um the problem is that acceptance this whole buzzword about evidence-based dentistry but you can't really evidence-based muscle changes or it's really difficult to do that. I mean, uh, the late Jim Moss um, did a lot of uh, mytronics and uh, measuring, for example, if the lower jaw is back, then the facial muscles are actually hyperactive all the time. This is one of the reasons you get the relapse uh, because mm-hmm. you straighten the teeth, but the jaws are in the wrong place. And so you've got this hyperactivity. And I think we all learned as students, muscles win over bone, but then you've got the tongue in the middle of where we work, and it's ignored, and yet we yeah. spend all that time learning the muscles. And because it's it's not a single muscle, it's a group of muscles, so it never tires. And it's actually one of the most, if not the most, powerful muscle in the body. So if it's in the wrong position, then it produces results which are are not favourable.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, you you mentioned uh, earlier on. Uh, about the integrated approach to treatment. Um, what, what sort of disciplines would you include in that integrated uh, uh, approach? Obviously, I've mentioned Enos and throat doctors. They're very paramount. Well, who else?
0: Uh, I think that um, optimal... I see optimal development as a fundamental goal for every child. We want them to reach their full potential their genetic genome, which may very well have been held back by environmental factors. Um, just going back to genetics, um, I don't. I think every mother knows that it's not totally genetic where the teeth are set. Otherwise, they'd never be worried about thumb sucking. But they, they, they know that. They, they have um, insight into that. So we know that there's a, a, a big environmental factor. So we need to get the environmental environment as correct as possible. So I see optimal development as a fundamental goal for every child from the earliest days. So you've got breastfeeding support can be given by the mother baby nurse. As we know, breastfeeding provides the baby with the very best nutrients, but also strengthens the tongue and influences the development of the upper jaw. Birth trauma, bumps and knocks along the way can result in cranial strains which in turn may hinder the best skeletal development. So early and regular checks with a cranial osteopath can address these. Weak oral musculature can also hinder development. So oral myologists, and I heard you speaking to um, Sarah,
1: You know, Sarah Hornsby, yes.
0: Sarah Hornsby, yes, about this. An excellent clip that you, you did there, can provide the exercises to improve function. Children with airway problems are routinely referred to an ENT specialist. But most tend to prescribe medication or surgical removal of tonsils and adenoids. And you've broken through that barrier. You actually have uh, a good um, relationship with your ENT. We don't have that here yet, partly because primary medical care is carried out within the NHS. And most of this kind of of dentistry, orthodontics, is, is in the private sector and uh, so there's a real barrier there um, grommets are just a temporary fix for glue ear i think they're going out of fashion a bit now and they have actually caused quite mm-hmm. a lot of um, membrane damage to the ear uh, because of the titus glue ear or otitis media with a fusion
1: and it's so interesting they- some of the research has come out relating to um uh, dominant molar buildups on deciduous teeth that helps the media and i think you know It's chicken and egg scenario. Most children who get a Titus media find it hard to clear their eustachian tube, and uh, invariably it's related to their swallowing pattern. And I I always say to parents, look, if you are on a plane and you start getting some, you know, stuffiness in your ear, uh, swallow, and when you swallow, you hear this little pop in your ear. And what that is, is those two muscles, uh, tensor, levator, palatini, working to clear the eustachian tube. But if you have a reverse swallow and you have a narrow palate, of course, that's not helping. And you add that to the large adenoids and tonsils. And I think Mel Bean uh, did lots of research in this. So did uh, 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 Merle Loudon. And, and I think Dennis played an important role in picking this up because you're right. Um, grommets really are not treating the cause of the problem, they're more uh, uh, just giving is an alternative. Right? Exactly, exactly. So I think yeah. that's where uh, I think dentists and medics can come together in what I would call the medical-dental interface. So I'm glad you brought that point up. But, but what else, Helen?
0: Well, just backtrack on that a bit, I, I did do molar build-ups quite often, and particularly if um, the, the centre lines were out, because often the glue ear was worse on the side that was compressed. Yeah, and, but, yeah. I, mean, what I, I knew about the station tube. But it was quite a long way into my career that I learned that it was like a fire hose. It's not a bony canal. It's not even a fibrous canal, well, it can collapse. And so you go back to that fact that the muscles at rest, if the lower jaw is back, the muscles are hyperactive in the face. And again, that stops the eustachian tube from opening. So what Mm -hmm. you need to do is, as you say, you need to remove the tension around and so you do that by making sure that the vertical dimension and uh, that the jaw is is, is more is not retronathic um, So on the whole, intake pressures don't integrate with the dental profession, um, which, as you say, is odd when you think of the close proximity of, of our respective fields of work. Um, indeed, the palatal bones are part of both disciplines. And in many children, breathing through the mouth is there Airway of habit. So the ENT is dealing with the airway, but in fact, it's happening in, on our patch.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So, ideally, general dental practitioners in primary care should be part of the team approach, working alongside these other professionals. They see the child on a regular basis and a position to monitor development. They should be able to make the required referrals and decide when intervention would be desirable. And if indicated, a general dental practitioner should be able to, to fit a simple, but we call it a simple appliance, but we know that the appliance looks simple, but the actual execution and carrying out the yeah, adjustments, absolutely. knowing the biological, what you're actually aiming for with this appliance um, is is important. And that's where there just isn't any any postgraduate or professional university course, recognised course in this country teaching this very fundamental which most most practitioners could take this on really easily and they have yeah. the knowledge
1: yeah yeah um, and i think the general <laughs> practitioner probably sees the kid at the more appropriate age uh, than and, than the orthodontist does i mean when i worked in the uk i was lucky to see any kid in mixed dentition by the time they put their name on the waiting list they're, they're 13 14 15 before they present for treatment um um, so I, I feel the general dentists, particularly in the private sector in the UK, are really leading the forefront because, you know, they have probably um, more discerning parents that are, are wanting the best for their kids and have uh, read outside the box, et cetera, et cetera. Um, do, do you see that changing in the future? Well, there has to
0: be a fundamental change in our undergraduate training program. Dentistry needs to be acknowledged as an important branch of medicine. We know, oh, you're just a dentist. It's always, we still have that. we still love with the barber surgeons, I think, to some extent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it needs to be integrated into the teaching. Last October, the College of General Dentistry was launched in London. This is to try and bring dentistry into the same level and the UK as medicine, where they have their College of, of General Medicine. In its vision, it states promoting one of its statements is promoting interprofessional medical care. It will be interesting to see if the training program changes to support this statement. So uh, I I am a a member now of that college and I was when it was still just a faculty. Um, I have just written actually to the (laughs) principal because when i got my welcome letter this is what they said they they said that they hoped that i would be i would be active within the college so um it's all there the words are there but the action isn't really being followed up at the moment
1: right right well let's hope uh, let's hope that changes um and helen for 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 the for the parents that are listening in what sort of is the appropriate age to take your child to the orthodontist for the first visit? That's a sort of, I mean, a bit of a loaded question. I mean, depending on what your training was. When I trained in the UK, I would say I don't want to see a kid unless they've lost all their baby teeth. But now we have people like Kevin Boyd who are doing things in in, in primary dentition. What what are your thoughts?
0: Well, definitely in the primary dentition, I think you need to do. Uh, well, well, the first checkup is. Is usually when the child's official checkup one is. One well, encourages parents to bring their children into the surgery so they get used to seeing them. And then mm. perhaps at, at two and a half when they've got their full complement of deciduous teeth. And then the dentist should be monitoring from there. I don't think that going to an orthodontist uh, is actually very helpful at that stage. I think Uh, that's why I got so involved with the osteopaths, because they're so much more open and they see parents who are already um, on a holistic road. And often they've had orthodontics and they've had teeth out and it's relapsed and they certainly are looking for something better. So I've always thought that change within the profession will come by demand from the public. And so the, that group of people, and the myofunctional therapists are, um, the, 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 they have the connection with a group of the public who actually um, are aware of of a different type of treatment. And the world would, would get round, I think, through parents. Uh, I, my grandchild um, is now nine. Uh, at the age of eight, she had a slight anterior open bite, anterior tongue thrust, and she's undergoing my my therapy with a myobrace at the moment. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she said, "You know, Granny, the amount of explanation I have to do about my myobrace." So she's sort of spreading the word through her contemporaries right. and passing back to the parents and yeah. saying, "Well, what are we going to do about my teeth? Why do I have to wait so long?" Because yeah. Yeah. children very often, you know, if they have a bad bad and crooked teeth not only are those teeth liable to for trauma but they also are bullied they're often their confidence it's so important to improve their confidence i mean that's one of the greatest assets a child can have is self-confidence and if you have a wide smile i mean very often I have to say this after orthodontics the child has a, has straight teeth but doesn't have a very good smile sometimes the teeth are hidden or they're too far back from the lips yeah. And, yeah. and it's not a very welcoming smile but if you have a welcoming smile the world smiles back at you and yes. and and that is a feel-good factor which is uh, I think John Mew has a, a a little gallery showing of all the um, school Head boys and head girls, that that he's treated, and yeah. maybe that is a, a direct effect of yeah. Of, yeah. of his of his treatment making them good. I mean, we like to look at good looking faces. That's who we yes. choose for our film stars, yeah. and uh, and things that look good probably work well because. Oh your, look, I, there's no
1: di- no
0: balanced.
1: No doubt in my mind, a good face is a good airway. We've seen that. You know, when I see someone who, when we do our cephalometric tracings, has a perfect position at the upper and lower jaw, um, you know, you ask questions about, you know, uh, their feeding habits and they were breastfed for two years and you ask questions Did they have much nasal obstruction growing up, the answer is no. So I firmly believe that, um, that if you can develop a, a good airway early on, uh, you do get a, a good balanced face. I, I, and I think there's so much in the literature to show that. But, I mean, we still have the, uh, uh, the 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 critics of this who who actually are very critical, but they don't have a solution. They don't have a plan B. They just want to do uh, what is currently being undertaken, which is wait till the damage done, wait till the jaws stop growing, and then try um, and pick up the pieces. And I really feel... I'd put that under the category of supervised neglect. Uh, and so it's great to see people like yourself getting at the appropriate age, working with the parents that want the early treatment, working with the allied health professionals, uh, such as the chiropractors and the osteopaths and the speech pathologists and the enos nose and throat doctors and the oral myologists and the speech pathologists and, you know, all these people who understand how to look at lip and tongue tie and how to look at um, breathing properly. So I think that's a great thing um, and maybe i'll end this podcast by saying that you know when 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 we um when we when we when we have children we you know its it, it's it's an unwritten clause that we want to do the best for our kids we want to and I say to um my uh, patients and the parents of my patients look i'm treating your kid as though I treat my own children and i don't I, I don't want to just line up their teeth and i don't uh, want to wait until their face has grown into an abnormal shape or form I really want to see them uh, when the problem begins. And so if they have a crossbite or they have a habit uh, such as a thumb sucking or continuing pacifier use, I want to break that habit. I want to try and um, uh, in, uh, get uh, nature back on track. So, Helen, thank you very much um, for your time. Uh, uh, and um, it's so nice to catch up. And uh, we're hoping in this, shall we call it the post-COVID era, you you come back down to Australia and we'd love to do a lecture to our study club Um but uh, keep doing the great work you do. And if I could just remind everyone again, if you really want to see some amazing articles on this topic, um, go to Helen's website. She's put a lot of effort into this, uh, and it's very uh, uh, well documented with the literature. It's called connectingheads.com. So, Helen Jones, thank you so much, and uh, we um, we hope to catch up soon. Thank you, Derek. It's right. been a pleasure.
0: This podcast was brought to you by Full Face Orthodontics and Dental Sleep Medicine, Sydney and Melbourne. If there's a topic you would like covered by Dr. Mahoney, just reach out to us at marketing at derekmahoney.com.